February 10, 2022, it's Watt for Pedro Show. What do you think about living in life up to this point? Well, I couldn't give you an answer. I couldn't have a family together. Well, you know, I don't think I am. I couldn't, I, I couldn't say. Do you think there seems to be an overall plan to the thing? And do you think it was, that your life is predetermined or, or that you're your own free agent and you make what you want of your life? Well, it seems like I make. I, I, I believe when you say that you make almost what you want, but in a way you do, but, but like when, it seems like part that you don't have much to do with. Much control of it. Yeah, like when is when, you know, you kind of set your course, but when you arrive and things like that, you know. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always happen as you plan, you know, you don't know that that's sure somewhere else. You know, you kind of sit. Reggie! I can see Kansas City. Reggie! Doing to you, doing to me. Reggie! Rock the sea and Reggie! Killing you, killing me. Texas! 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 No more Reggie! I can see Kansas City. Reggie! Doing to you, doing to me. Reggie! Rock the sea and From Pedro Show. Happy Thursday. We started off with August Bloom asking John Coltrane about living and laughing. This was back in 1958. <clears throat> Big change in his life, 1957, year I was born, huh? And then we had Circle Jerks with Red Tape. Because uh, of those Estonian software engineers with their scab invention, I got with me special guest, Steve Loudon. Welcome aboard, brother Steve. You got a new book. Uh, it's on drummers, but Let's go back with music with you. Uh, yeah. Can you remember the first drummer? Uh, the one that, that you heard, of course. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the one that probably got my attention the earliest was Charlie Watts from the Stones. Okay. And uh, what was the first record you bought with your old man? It was Destroyer by Kiss. Okay. So you weren't a Peter Chris fan, huh? Yeah, I uh, I listened to Peter Chris for sure playing drums, but I had a next door neighbor who was a friend of mine, and his mom had still had all her '60s records, and so she handed me a stack of Stones records when I was really little. Right. No, I think Charlie was a Ludwig man. Peter Chris, I think, was a Pearl man. Yeah. Ah, so you know, okay, you know about stuff like that. Well, what about what about the first record you bought with your own money? It was Destroyer, and yeah. then the first gig you saw. Well, so I had two older brothers who, uh, much older than me, and they were into sort of like 70s classic rock and hard rock. So I saw like Ario Speedwagon and Aerosmith and Def Leppard. No, before. no, I asked you what was your first gig? The first gig that I played? No, that you saw. Oh, Ario uh, uh, Speedwagon. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Understood. Uh, and what about in school? Were you part of the choir or the marching band or shit like that? No, I didn't join any, any of that stuff at school, but I did briefly take accordion lessons when I was like in fifth grade. But you're more attracted to drummers? 
Yeah, that, that's what I was saying about my older brothers. They they had a metal band, and uh, one was a guitar player and one was a bass player. So as a little kid looking up to them, I think that I kind of secretly wanted to start a family band with them. So I think that's why I started playing drums. Okay, so you actually did get on the drums. When did you get your own set? Oh, I started playing probably when I was about 12 or 13. And how did you get that kit? Was it a present, or did you buy it with the newspaper route money or what no my my parents were really cool about it um they got me basically the left hand side of a red sparkle cb 700 kit so i had a snare a rock tom and a kick drum and one crash and a hi-hat well speaking and, of hard rock there was one guy who played left-handed right ian pace yeah, I mean, he was an incredible drummer. Because I think there was left-handed drummers, but they didn't play left-handed. They kept the, right, they, the snare over on the port side. Yep, yep, they would keep it open face. Yeah, and but he actually had on the starboard side, and then Tom on the other side. He switched around. I, going back early, I always thought that was so much different, but of course, he was left-handed. There's just been so much discrimination against left-handed. You know, not just drums, but bass, guitar, all that stuff. Yeah, you hear a lot of stories about people who are left-handed and their parents or their friends or somebody always hands them a right-handed guitar. Some friend. You know, the <laughs> Italian word is for left. What's that? Italian word for left. What is it? Sinister. Oh, yeah? I wouldn't shit you, Steve. Look, uh, uh, there was something about, you know, that, it goes back to why I hate this word the n-word right normal see because it was not in the majority right menshevik uh no you bolshevik you're part of the right hand the starboard hand. it's just ridiculous stuff other people say you're born a certain way and why not just follow that? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what i mean humans get into this stuff right oh that's the way towards you know not happening but anyway so did you take lessons I did very briefly take lessons, but I was a I was a little too jittery, so I was kind of a self-taught well, garage. Guy. I'm wondering if that teacher did he say you got to learn right-handed? Um, no, no, but he uh, he wanted me to to dive into jazz and rudiments when I was really young, and I you know I just wanted to play rock music. Okay, I mean music's music, so I don't give a fuck. But I, yeah. I was thinking maybe he was thinking of your future, like maybe you. Because, you know, a lot of times drummers have to use what's there. It's called a back line or something, especially a, a crowded urban situation where you can't carry equipment. So maybe he would want you to be, you know, Jimmy could play right and left-handed guitar, no problem. And, I mean, that's quite a talent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just to sure. flip it over. So that, that's why I asked that kind of thing. So yeah. he was into rudiments and stuff. I mean, rudiments, I think, are important for any kind of music. That's why I say you can use them in rock and roll. You can use them in jazz. In fact, oh. I think rock and roll is kind of a, a mule. It's kind of half-breed between R&B and jazz in, in trippy ways. Uh, it, was a, it was a kind of marketing term. Al Freed gave it, right? Brothers have been using that word since the 20s. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you got into the punk movement. But did you, you didn't join a punk band? You just wanted to be drummer for your brothers. Well, that was the original inclination. But then when I was about 12, some local neighborhood high schoolers played me... Um, the Dead Kennedys record in God You Trust Incorporated. And uh, I kind of had my eyes open to punk rock. So I never ended up actually playing 
with my brothers. Right, I, I joined kind of garage punk and, and punk oh, band. Oh, so you did have a band. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And what, what, tell me about that band. What were they called? Well, I mean, the, the real early ones had funny and silly names. It was just me and my friends learning how to play, but we were called like Persecuted Youth and Six Feet Under and things like that. Yeah, those are good names. And did you guys, what What would you do? Would you write your own material or did you copy off records? Well, that was, I mean, that was super early. So we were mostly just making noise. I'm not even sure if it qualified as music. I mean, when no, I, I think that, that's great. Yeah. No, well, it was it was super I, I say that, Steve, because me and D. Boone, we copied off records because that's what everybody else did. It was fucking stupid. <laughs> well, maybe something you learned some chops and stuff. But the idea of just trying to write your own thing is good. Especially drummers. I'm really interested in drummers as composer. I just had Matt North on yesterday. Oh, cool. And he ended up learning all kinds of stuff, but he all, never gave up drums. And he uh, he tells me he writes, he composes on drums. You know, Chico uh, Hamilton had a hard time in the 60s trying to get songwriting credit, right? Yeah. Because, right, drummers can't write bullshit. These excuses, <laughs> right? Look, you gave me this uh, live version of uh, Chinese Rocks, Johnny Thunders.
eight paws of suburban Cerberus taunt me with bowling green barks of everbraiding coming under the sun sort of echoes with snarls dripping off the fang. Dang, but this is almost the country. The lake shimmers just under my eyeballs. I see the ripples afar near as a boat trundles by under the dog breath. The variations are released ad nauseum. Ever the same, never changing. And the green verges right across the slope, berming right up to my feet. And the sky, blue looming above, swallows me whole. Ah, this picket fence wasteland of semi-private luxury. Thank God for this small favor. Willow are we under the trees, oak and ash. Carboniferous at the end, but lignum coursing, pulsing, ever so faint, never to be heard, yet turned into structures and lit of cruel carnality into baskets of steel, firing up from the minimum to the maximum of purple clouds rising, delivering unto a acrid dome little drips of something black to heave upon, something to wrap its little raindrops around and drop back down on the ground, wetting us all again from that little match truck. The dogs howling in the distance, maybe they hear me, maybe they don't. They smelled that I cared, and they know that they don't. So they stop. Here they are, they're howling again on the periphery and stopping all the panthers from coming in. Panthers are lurking in the brush. There's small little footsteps padding around there, and the Cerberus know it. The Cerberus will climb any barrier just to get them, and sticks are thrown down upon the panthers and running away from men. Bark, bark.
took me years, but then we finally had a time and place to meet. She looked a whole like a mother, if she was who she claimed to be. But I had my doubts as I walked out of the airport to my car.
this could happen to me. But this is strange. Oh, what should it be? I don't deserve somebody this great. Chunk of music started off with Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, Chinese Rocks Live, then Car Thief School, brand new out of Hokkaido with Thug Machine, Usurp Suburban Suburbs. Yeah, I know people, it's deja vu all over again, but now for you, Chris Kroger out of Texas. Great poem. Cremation Lily, brand new, Selfless Maria, 63, the acoustic version of Tropical Fuckstorm, brand new. Noisuka, guy with a poem on his torque, so out of Culver City, speaking of the South Bay. Well, not really, huh? Kind of borderline. Last place I saw Elvin Jones, and he was at that gig was Charlie Watts. He was with uh, Les McCann. Oh, wow. Le Charlie Watts was wearing three overcoats. Les really? McCann was yelling. I wouldn't shit you, Steve. He was yelling at Elvin the whole time, come on, play, you motherfucker. <laughs> and then a mythless from Gothel's Northern Jaw, starring these brand new loose cannons, subliminal messages from the factory, sublimation, bonus printing out D.C. area. Billy Bio turned the wounds, a new solo trip from him. Biohazard man, Bi a guy by voices has <laughs> Bob Pollard. Another record, of course, right? Every couple of months he's got a new. Yeah. Redevelop out of Dayton, Ohio. And then the damn new hope, new rose. First punk single I heard, which really surprised me because it was only pictures for us at first. We didn't know what it sounded like, and now we're into. Even though you're talking to me to Al Dadina now, used to be Dairy Country. Uh, you grew up in South Bay, so yeah. south of Culver City, but north of Pedro. Where, That's you're right. talking west side. We're talking what? Hermos, Torrance, Redondo? Yeah, I grew up in Redondo and I went to high Redondo. school in Manhattan. Okay, like there's no Billy on this. There's no fucking descendants. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's no Robo. <laughs> yeah, Bill, uh, Bill Stevenson is in the book. Jim Ruland actually wrote a whole essay about him, and Bill's. Honestly, like we got to tell the listeners there, Steve, getting ahead yeah. of ourselves. But one of the reasons why Steve's on the show, people, is because he wrote a book about punk drummers. But we're leading up to this because he actually was a punk drummer. So this band, you say you joined one at high school. What were they called? We had a bunch of names, but we ended up being called the Wonderfuls. Uh, Do which you remember was the, the first Wonderfuls gig? Uh, we played in my friend's mom's condo in South Redondo Beach when we were in like 16 years old. Now, how'd that gig go? It was great. Just a bunch of crazy teenagers. And, you know, we were playing some originals and some covers. And just it was just a party. A lot of people. 
Yeah, well, me and Dee Boone, I remember playing a kegger in Pedro. And etiquette in those days was if that dude knew how to play Black Dog better than you, he could take your guitar and show you up in front of everybody. <laughs> that's why I, I ask. That's why I ask about that shit. Yeah, you know, in the old days, the older days, things changed really quick, and then they, some ways, never went back, which was good. Yeah, but it, it, it's it's trippy how nowadays things kind of stay the same compared to those days when things were changing so quick. You know, so that was sure. a good gig. Now, did you guys end up? Torn? Did you end up making records? No, not in that band. We ended up going up to Santa Barbara for college, and we played up there for a while. Um, the first time I think I really recorded, I, I was in a couple bands on Theologian Records uh, in the 90s, which was a Hermosa Beach label. Yeah, they had something to do with uh, some Pan, Good God Pan, that, that fanzine. Yeah. The fish, sticks, uh, the fish sticks and people like that. Yeah, because, you know, I got a little connect. Of course, the Black Flag and Billy and Descendants, but... Uh, Tom Watson. In fact, Tom Watson in the Missing Man took guitar lessons from Milo's grandma, uh, M- Milo's mother, not grandma, mother. Oh, really? I wouldn't shit you. I mean, there's trippy what? connects, you know, trippy connects, yeah. trippy connects. Yeah. And then Spot, you know, recorded everybody at Media Art there in Hermos. He was actually yep. from Lamert Park, Forty Third and Crenshaw. Grew up next, oh, wow. uh, uh, a couple doors down from uh, played really Ray Charles. So I get, get a speeding ticket. He had a guy in the car next to him, right? He was driving all fucked up. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so you went to school at UC Santa Barbara, Galita, yeah. right? What Rock Pile Records? I remember there was gigs at the records. Also, there was an old Bank of America that got burned down. Anaconda turned into a club, right? Yeah, I saw a lot of shows there. I saw Public Enemy there. I saw the Cramps there. You know what? Chuck D ended up meeting a professor that teaches at UC Santa Barbara. Oh, I didn't know that. I conked at a dude's pad. His wife is a colleague. Oh, wow. That's it's Small cool. world, right? Yeah. Because he's from Strong Island, way back east. Yep. But, but anyway, uh, so did you go to college for music? I didn't. I actually went to college for journalism and, you know, music and writing have always been sort of the two things I've been most focused on. But you picked one over the other or well, you were doing both at the same time, right? Yeah, I was doing both. Actually, uh, Great God Pan, I'm the guy who interviewed you for Great God Pan. Yeah, that's the name of the fans. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I did, you know, when I was younger, I figured, you know, playing. By the way, that was a great zine. Too bad it didn't last longer because the stories were fucking happening. Yeah, Eric Bloom, who ran that zine, was my sure. roommate at the time, and and Eric used to sing for uh, an L.A. garage punk band called the Primates. You remember those guys? Well, you remember the singer of the Blue Oyster Cult? His name's Eric Bloom. Oh, it's not the same dude. <laughs> no, no, I think they're spelled different too. Yeah. But, but no, it's really important because E. Bloom, right? He put stun guitar on the back of the second album. D. Boom, that's where he gets D. Boom. E. Ah, yeah. But okay, okay. So roommate, that was the connect. Okay. Yeah, okay. Look, the whole idea of the fanzine, get people excited about gigs by a guy who went to a gig or got a record review, and he's excited, and he, got, and he foams, right? He writes passionately about it. I think they're yeah. very, very important. Also, if you go back to art movements like Dada, like Surrealism, you know, Entre Breton, Tristan Zara, there, there was journalist people involved. Uh, Mar- uh, Marinetti with the Futurists. It... it in the old days, art and, and journalism did go together. Well, to me, they're the you know they're just different forms of expression. They should go together. Yeah, you know, funny enough, uh, when I was about fifteen years old, I wrote for this little stapled uh, fan, fanzine in my neighborhood. I wrote an article about Easter, that band Easter with Danny. Um, Danny, and, right, right, right. Yeah, he yeah. he did a long time with uh, 
Who's that cat? Anti. Yeah. He had a lot of different bands, and Danny was in that one. Danny was a sweet guy. Yeah, so I wrote this thing as a little kid about Easter and uh, showed it to him, and he was working at Recycled Records in Hermosa Beach at the time. And good, good record store. Great record store. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Gary Jacoby worked there as well. And um, I, I came in a couple of weeks later, and he handed me a copy of Flipside, and he had gotten my story. Is Gary Jacoby, was that, the singer, was that the singer of Celebrity Skin? It was, yeah. Yeah, he lives in New Mexico now, right? Oh, I don't know. I've actually been meaning to track him down, man. I loved that band. Don Bowles was right, amazing. the drummer man, right, right. But, yeah. but and Gary was a great singer. Oh, those I think shows he was actually the drummer of Sexic, the band Kay was in with uh, Michelle Bell. But anyway, go on. This yeah, thing, I mean, Danny, Danny reads the article and he and he loves it, right? Yeah, you know, and I come in a couple of weeks later, he hands me a copy of Flipside, and he had gotten my article republished, which to a 15-year-old fan was just like, the first place I ever got published was Flipside? Like, that was the coolest thing in the world. Al Flipside and Hudley, good people. Whittier, I think. Yeah, and, and Hudley's in this book. Oh, great, great, great. Because they were really important. Besides Slash, right? Those were the two zines in SoCal. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So... When you get out of college, I mean, do, do you do music all through college? Yeah, I did. I played in a bunch of different bands, you know, and, and you know, speaking of Celebrity Skin, we kind of got into uh, dressing up and being crazy and, and uh, playing some glam rock. But, uh, you know, then I moved back to Hermosa Beach and, and played with the Fish Sticks and I played with a band called Bookmobile. And then um, I ended up making a record with a band called Rydell High. And uh, our record was produced by Joey Cape from Lagwagon out of Santa Barbara for his My Records label. Okay. And uh, what about the, on the journalism tip? I worked actually as the arts editor for a free weekly in my hometown for a little while. Um, but then when I signed that record deal, I, I kind of put writing aside for a little while. Is that the Easy Reader? Uh, the Beach Reporter. We were the oh, yeah, 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 next door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I remember seeing me one time. The, they had a cover story: "The Black Flag Violence Must Stop." You know? oh, yeah. It wasn't the cops beating up kids, right? It's the Black Flag Violence. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was so ridiculous. But but anyway, uh, so you put it down for this record thing. So you get involved with the racket, with the business. Yeah, I and mean, then what's you know, your experience? What looking back on it, what do you think? Oh man, it, you know, anytime you get to like get on a stage or go into a recording studio. Like I, I've always considered myself lucky to have been able to have done any of that. So it was, we never sold a ton of records or anything, but you know, it, it took me to Japan and I got to play some really cool shows and I think the record still sounds good. Okay. And then what happened? Uh, we were uh, on my records out of Santa Barbara and then that got picked up by A&M and we actually ended up doing a, a, a video for one of our songs called Self-Destructive with um, one of the dudes from Devo, Jerry, directed it and played a clown in the video. Um, and then the day the record came out on A&M, the re-release was coming out on A&M, pretty much everybody got pink slipped. <laughs> so we got dropped. Yeah, Alan was a great drummer in Devo. He quit to be an electrician, right? So what'd you do when you get dropped? Uh, we did some more demoing, and then eventually I ended up joining this band called Czar, T-S-A-R, and we put out two, we made two records. The first one came out on Hollywood Records. Um, we made that one with Rob Cavallo. And you, know then the you know what Czar's uh, Ruski for, right? What, King? 
Uh, bigger. Caesar. Yeah. Yeah. Emperor. <laughs> Emperor, actually. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. Yeah. Latin word Caesar. The German word's Kaiser. So Tsar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so uh, how was your Tsar experience? Uh, that was awesome. You know, we, we, we made a, a pretty polished sort of power pop glammy record, the first record, and uh, kind of a, a dirtier uh, record, the second record. And then right around 2004, 2005, I kind of stepped back from music and started focusing on uh, writing again. So that yeah, was kind because of... you gave me none of the music from any of these bands. I thought you just wanted music from the book, man. I'm sorry. No, I'm just wondering. I'm just yeah. wondering. I know you wanted to talk about the book. That's why you asked to be on the show. But, I mean, I didn't know how deep you were into music. So you could have brought that on, too. That's okay. But, uh, so you want to write about drummers that had, what, like an influence on you? Uh, yeah. I mean, the original idea for this, I had done You know what? Books. We're yeah. out of time. So wow. we're going to pick okay. up on the book next hour. People, February 10, 2022 edition of YP Show. Special guest Steve Lodd. Hold tight for hour two. February 10, 2022 is the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Sun is in the sky Feeling slightly broken Not even gonna lie Have a little grizzle Have a little cry Everything on earth now Is probably gonna die If your effort's only token Life is gonna ride Better get a move on Have a little try Puzzle at the riddle No point in being shy Everything on earth now Is probably gonna die
Live from Pedro Show. Start off second hour. Buzzcocks, you tear me up. <laughs> We're weird about English like that. Huh? You got to have somebody say it because there's no fucking consistent. Like the past tense of read, right? Yeah. You know that ain't a color. Yeah. Okay. Hi, quick crack out of Texas with, with Wombi, Wombic. That's a word. So Kevin with Cotton. Horde of two brand new band out of Vancouver, Canada. Courage and Fortitude. I say Canada because there's actually a Vancouver, Washington State. And it's right on the border, too. But you're still in the U.S. You just got out of Oregon. So watch out, people, if you travel. Uh, crushed by Pimps out of South London with Discourse after that. Courage and Fortitude is the name of that. Discourse. A little pun rock, huh? Then uh, yeah. their buddies Tom Moody and all the new greatest hits band with anything finally. DOA, Slumlord, Joey Shithead, who's actually in the Vancouver government now as a councilman or something. And that was Chuck Biscuit. And uh, who I, for a little while, there's some uh, practice tapes of him playing the slipping in stuff with the Black Flag guys. They never got to record with him an album, but he's there. And I think shortly thereafter was on a giant goat for uh, Glenn Danzig's band. But uh, let's let's get into the book now. That sounds good, man. We'll break uh, yeah, I mean, the, the I had done a couple books prior to this one that were also essay collections where I had a bunch of contributors. And those two were about power pop. And my original idea for writing in something in one of those was to write about like Clem Burke and Bunny Carlos and write about power pop drummers. And I ended up giving that essay to Ira Elliott from Not A Surf and, and he did a fantastic job with it. But when it came time to put the new book together, uh, I decided to kind of dig into that idea. And instead of focusing on power pop, I wanted to do a whole book about punk rock drummers. So to understand music, you got to understand genre. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily true, but I do think we were all kind of raised with genre framework uh, being put in front of us. So it's an easy way to help people understand what the book focuses on. But you could definitely do a book of just drummers in general. I, I specifically wanted to focus on the kinds of drummers who were a uh, really big influence for me growing up. Right. So Grant Hart and Bill Stevenson and, and uh, DJ Bonebreak, guys like that. Yeah. All three of those guys you didn't give me music from, but Don Bulbrick, I first saw him with the eyes. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Charlotte was the bass. Joe was the singer man. Good band. Blow up Disneyland yeah. was their big song. And uh so Power Pop. Yeah, I remember that was a thing. Maybe early eighties. Yeah, Paisley Underground. All these kind of things. New wave. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I like kinda of like the word punk because it was so fucking ridiculous, right? A guy gets fucked in jail for cigarettes. Why would you call your music? But it, yeah. was, it seemed like people wanted a shortcut on the truth, like you didn't have to listen to the band. Oh, this is the right tribe, the right category. I got to do the first uh, Ramones album on the 40th anniversary. Joey's brother has this benefit in New York City for lymphoma, right? For his, his brother, Joey. Right. Mickey. Mickey. And he had me and Clem play with Cheetah, the first album. Man. And I'll tell you, Clem Burke, to me, is a drummer, man. Oh, yeah. He lives up in the valley, came and drove down to Pedro to Prac with me like 10 times. He takes it so serious. It's beautiful. His work ethic reminds me of somebody like Egg. And just great uh, uh, spirit, enthusiasm. Not 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 cynical, not all bitter and shit. He's just he just loves to play, man. I guess he ended up doing a couple of Ramones gigs, but Johnny wouldn't prack with them, so they were disastrous. But he did get a leather coat, and they even gave him a name. I think he was Elvis Ramone. Yeah. Uh, but uh, incredible cat, right? Uh, oh, I mean, for for me, and, and you know, you really get to know a guy when you prack up a record, and and that record is a trippy record. Like you were saying about genres and stuff, and a lot of old rock and roll, especially coming from England, a lot of blues, right? But uh, not so much with Ramones. 
And and also, like I say, Ginger Baker, he brought in a lot of jazz stuff to those rock yeah. and rollers. Yeah, the, with the cream and stuff like that. Listen to Mitch Mitchell, right? It's funny, Jimi yeah. Hendrix. Jim, Mitch Mitchell, he's my Elvin Jones, right? Yeah. That's a trip. That is a trip. Look, you gave me this music here from that first record you heard, right? Dan yes. Kennedy. Uh, we got a bigger problem now. Actually, you gave me the whole fucking album, but I'm going to take just that song, which is kind of oh. a, a rework of uh, California Uber House, right? Yep. You too 
So start off that chunk of music with uh, Dead Kennedys doing We Got a Bigger Problem Now. Then uh, Niagara with number six. Like my Italian bandmates call it Niagara. <laughs> First they didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> yeah, just look at it. That's a lot. Okay, Stobbits and Waterhouse, brand new. Septic. And brand new from Le Chion Nua, the new dog. A Dream of Self-Immolation. Ray Shin's brand new from him. I think Reno area, huh? Shop Life. And finally, the Dicks, dead in a motel room. Now, this is the Dicks people, they're Austin band, but then they move up to San Francisco, and this has got Lynn, which I think is really important because this is a sister on the drums. Now, in the old days of our scene, we had Mad Dog Carla. Did you ever get to see her? She drummed for the uh, controllers. I never did. Yeah. And, of course, uh, uh, Alyssa. With the Go-Go's? Yeah. Right. Before Gina? Well, 
There was a couple of people. I think Margo yeah. and Alyssa actually started the band, right? Yeah, yeah. Both of them got thrown out, but Oof, or whatever yeah. happened. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I saw their first gig at, at that same place. I saw the Dead Kennedy at the Other Mask, and uh, it was just them saying, fuck you, Robert Helbert. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he was the big writer for the L.A. Times, right? Yeah. You know, every other week's going to be a story about John Prine or Elvis Costello. Yeah, good old days. Love it. Okay, now, uh, oh, I did, the Dicks. Now, uh, I always thought Gary Floyd, best singer in our scene. I just, just love the way he sang. There's a live record, right? Live at Raul's, half Big Boy, half Dicks. You know about that? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And there's a tune on there called Shit On Me, and I just... <laughs> I just love the fuck out of that. Great band. But when they moved up and you got the new people, still a good band. Then they became Sister Double Happiness, stuff like that. And with Lynn still. And, uh, yeah, she's a... Uh, brothers. And, uh, yeah. She ended up playing with uh, some of the guys from uh, Faith No More and stuff. And, yeah, she's been around and played with a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, her, uh, her, her essay in the book, Forbidden Beat, Perspectives on Punk Drumming, is like incredible because she talks about you know being a teenager in reno and seeing an early seven seconds gig and then immediately joining a band called the rex um well they were they were the big band i think they called their scene skino yeah yeah yeah. 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 and kevin he's in sacktown these days right and he's still playing and his brother too right steve on the bass uh i think i think i'm gonna see them opening for the circle jerks at the palladium uh but he was like doing acoustic stuff you know Steve's a trip, right? Skin, guts, and but Lynn, I mean, but the, the whole idea of the forbidden beat. Let's talk about the title, because John Don Bull used to talk about this. When he used that word, he was talking about oompa, and that wasn't really the, to him the real punk beat is what Scotty Ashton did, and I've got a right. Yeah, you know what I mean, talking about. I mean, it never made the record, right? It's not on Raw Power. But it was yeah, what, during that time. What's the beat he's playing on that one? Well, to me, that's what becomes the punk beat. If you listen to people like Earl in the Dead Kennedy, right? I mean, uh, Brad Brain, Brain. yeah, yeah. HR's brother. If you listen to, the, yeah, there's no oompa. It's this kind of fast rock and roll Earl Palmer thing. It's not really, you know, the waltz speeded up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So for for Don Bowles, there was a big difference, and and for me too. And if you listen to GI, he ain't doing oompa. Yeah, when I played, you a drummer, man. I can speak to you about this, right? Yeah, when I was playing in the Fish Sticks, those guys used to tell me all the time, "No forbidden beat." And what they were saying is, "Don't trade the the one and the two on the hi hat and the snare. You had to hit them together." But that they used to make fun of the phrase. You know who's really good at that is fucking Dave Lombardo. That that snare and the. Yeah, that can be hard to do. <laughs> yes, yes. Those tempos are crazy. Because people, but... the drum set, Georgie, tell me, balancing on your tailbone with all your limbs going at it. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, so much respect I got for drummers. The big mistake of the minute, man, was putting Georgie in the back, man. The last yeah. 20 years, I've had all my drummers up front. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, February 10th, 2022, Dish Watt Pedro's special guest, Steve Loud. Hold that fire. Think! February 10th, 2022. It's the third hour of the Watford Pete Rose Show. 
First Light brings a hankering for peddling. Peddle me to the sea. To the sea with me, then. Dismount and then mount. Some seaside rocks perched right close enough to feel the kiss of salt spray mist. Your eyes drawn brain sketches colored in with what your nose catches, lucky what? How dare you dream of a luckier me? Be grateful, what? For what you got. God, what would have you missed? Such eye gifts there for you, recline. Santa Catalina, her gentle V, between her twin highness engulfs you in, a sense bathing, clean shaven, sense shaken, quiver, mister, you've witnessed fine marriages bind, the singular with the genuine, look up father's son, hug your pelican son, he loves you dear, way up high, deep inside, your lover's sky, now burst your thirst, and sing your sigh.
Watford Pedro, so start the third hour with Green Day doing Welcome to Paradise, then High Five Club, El Sonio Del Mar Nile, second man, missing man, all together is this big collaboration between Toulon, the big Navy town in France, and Pedro here, right? We got a harbor, even though we ain't military anymore. We're still the biggest port in the country. And so he was tripping on that. Without playing together, we collab. That's See, you can do different things with the Internet than just trade hate. And bullshit, you can actually join together and make music. And lag whacking with Raffle. So I guess you owe that man for him putting out your record. And I'll tell you, I, I got to talk with uh, the singer man of Green Day here in Pedro. He was in town. I was in a band that opened up for something called Powder Finger, Gunpowder gun, gun Finger or something like that. Gunpowder gun something. And I guess it was a band he had before Green Day. And he was such a sweet guy. Billy? Yeah. Yeah, yep, really, that's him. really sweet guy. Very, very nice guy. That humble man. Um, but let's get, I want to get on the book, you know, because, so your idea was, I'm not going to write about the drummers. I'm going to have these drummers write about their own trips, right? Yeah, that, I mean, I originally kind of thought about maybe writing a book like that, but I personally, as a reader, and I read a lot of these music books, um, personally, as a reader, I'd rather hear the musicians and and the drummers and the and guys like you who played with killer drummers and music writers writing about it. So instead, I flipped it and got about 26 people to contribute interviews and essays and influence lists. Now, was some of it tough? Like some guys, you know, I play music. I don't talk about music. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I didn't want to push people too hard because, you know, I wanted people to be comfortable and contribute what they felt comfortable contributing to the book. So that's why I came up with the idea of like, if you think you're a writer, if you want to be a writer, you can contribute an essay. If it's easier for me to simply interview you, I can do that. And then for the real super short stuff, I just offered people, you know, write three or four sentences about each of your top five influences. And so I have those top five lists in the book as well. Now, you know, you had... We played a song from DOA, and because for a long time people didn't know what happened to Chuck Biscuits. Yeah, there's a lot of mystery around. Right, him. right. So th that that was a fucking bitching thing for you to have him there. Be a, yeah, yeah. That actually, I interviewed Joey Shithead, and he was telling me the story of how Chuck joined the band, you know, because of his older brother Dimwit, and right, right. how Chuck used to play bongos in their rehearsal studio and sit in the corner, and eventually they threw him behind the kit. It's a really interesting. Perspective. I to thought Jim Witt was Wimpy's brother. No, I think I think if I'm no, I think Tim went and Chuck. Wimpy was a singer because the, there used to be a subhumans in Canada. Yep. yep I think yep. one guy's still in jail for like protesting at a nuclear plant. The basement. Yeah. He talks about actually Joey Shithead talks about um, practicing in the same studio as the subhumans. Right. Right. Well, he ends up playing bass with for DOA after Randy Rampage. Yep. Yeah, remember the first record, Randy's holding the flag. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? I gotta tell you about DOA. Those guys with Black Flag literally built the circuit that everybody tours on. Those guys were really in, relentless with touring. Yeah, I mean, Joey Shithead talks about like you know taking out a loan to buy a van and like the crazy drives that they were doing to get right, from Canada absolutely. to LA and to play those shows. I mean. Hardcore 81 is like, you know, that's that as far as I'm concerned, that's like a legendary album. And when you ask people and you tell people, hey, I'm, I'm going to write a book about punk drummers. I'm going to put together a book about punk drummers. Chuck Biscuit's name comes up over and over and over. Like everybody points to that. Well, it's dude. kind of an ambassador like Flag, right? When the the yep. band comes play, all these bands start up, right? The, yep. These guys were like that. You know, the first album here, though, 
in SoCal, it wasn't GI. It was it was actually plugs and electrifying. Oh wow, Chalo, okay. right? Chalo, yeah. we lost him a couple of years ago. Beautiful man, great. I think he ended up playing for Mike Ness in Social Distortion. Yeah, actually, you know, when I was mentioning those lists, because of the way the book got put together, Pete Feinstone, who was the second drummer for Bad Religion, did his his list, and he mentions Chavo as one of his five biggest influences. And gives Chalo, him a couple, Chalo. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Ch- yeah. Chalo. It's for yeah. Charlie, right? Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, be, be beautiful. Uh, he had a lot of talents. <laughs> and yeah. he's got a giant Vista Light kit on the cover. The kick drum's huge. Tito and Barry. That's a great, a great band. Uh, but, man, something about punk music really elevated the drummer, man. I mean, I think it elevated everybody because in some ways it wasn't just the guitar singer anymore. Uh, I think everybody got put on a level playing field in a way. I, I actually loved that about the interview that I did with you for the book, Watt, because you said something that was pretty profound to me, which was, uh, the most political thing that the Minutemen did uh, or that D. Boone did wasn't singing just about politics, but was that he made all three of you guys equal, right? He made the music. Well, D. Boone said that's what, it, to him, was the political thing about the Minutemen, was the way the yeah. band was made up. He thought the lyrics was just thinking out loud. <laughs> yeah. But he thought what the real political thing was, because we came from arena rock, right? And he thought the idea of putting the drums and the bass up was kind of revolutionary because we didn't know about club culture, you know? Yeah. You can't hear that shit in a club. <laughs> I mean, unless you're in a club, right? Especially in those days, the PAs were so bad, the acoustics, they were built for sports. So, yep. yeah, that was his idea. That was his idea. And, of course, me and Georgie were <laughs> Yeah. I, listen, man, I, I unfortunately never got to see the Minutemen, but I saw Firehose a few times. And well, then you George, saw George Hurley, right? Oh, man, he blew me away. You guys were so Incredible. great, but his... There's not really another drummer that ever played like George Hurley, as far as I'm concerned. No. Well, you know, all drummers are a little different. Yeah. They all are. I, this is my experience from playing with different drummer men and ladies. They're all, I, by the way, I played with an incredible drummer out of Tokyo, uh, Yuko uh, Araki. I mean, all drummers are really individual. This idea of making them all idiots, I, I just can't understand. I don't fathom it, especially if you're in rhythm music. Look, here's a lady drummer that you gave me. A band called Faya, right? Let's yeah, listen. they're fantastic. Let's listen.
Walk for Pedro show last music for this edition. That chunk of music star Alfea doing Mohair Mordana. Sarah Davachi, brand new from her, Magdalena. And then we had the group Crater Method, Brother Phil out of Mammoth with a single version of Apocalypse Six, Bad Horses. And finally, something I never thought I'd play in my show, but Bad Religion, Beyond Electric Dreams. You got to tell me about who, who's this drummer lady in Faya? Uh, her name is Fani Diaz, and she was in a band called Girl in a Coma before she played in Faya, but they're on Blackheart Records, uh, and uh, they've worked with Alice Bag, and they've worked with uh, Lori Barbera. For Alice Bag, now, you know the Bag's big band of the Minutemen. That's the first punk gig we saw. Oh, I didn't realize it was the first gig you saw. Well, it's the first punk gig. First gig yeah. me and D. Boone saw was T-Rex, but wow, this is what? Five years later, or yeah. something like that. Four years later, and, and and like I said, things change really quick, right? Arena Rock and Hell Punk Club gig, so much different. But man, I looked at D Boone and without even thinking, out of my mouth rolled, "We can do this." I didn't do that in Arena Rock, <laughs> even though we liked T Rex. The guys were so tiny, <laughs> it was so far away, and there was just something about being really up close. You can see the bass has bigger strings. Okay, so. How did you get turned on to her? Uh, doing research in the book and, and just listening to a bunch of different modern punk bands, it was it was really no, important. No, but this idea of the lady drummers, because uh, was Lynn before or Lynn after Lynn Perkoff? Me, when I got her into the book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She uh, she was one of the first that I contacted, her and Bon Bon Wheelie from uh, Girl Trouble. Oh, I didn't get a tune from them, but... Okay, but the, yeah, she's in the book. So... And you said uh, she just joined in with Lynn in some kind of spiel? Yeah, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a magazine called Tom Tom Magazine that mostly focuses on female drummers. And, and Mindy Abovitz, who's the publisher, is in the book, and she's writing about Riot Girl. Uh, Lynn Perko and her and Fani Diaz and Laura Bethita Neptuna from the Neptunas all just did this really amazing conversation, video conversation uh, that's available uh, on Crowdcast right now. You know, talking about lady drummers in the city, do you know about No Mercy? No. N-O-H, like the Jap uh, Japanese um, opera? Uh-huh. Okay. They were from the 70s. They had a big song. Well, for those days, I mean, our scene was very small, right? Actually, their scene was much bigger than ours here in Hollywood. Caucasian Guilt. And it's just singer and a drummer. These two oh, ladies. Cool. Yeah. And uh, they ended up doing a seven-inch. Something came out on Earcom, you know, out of England. And they ended up having songs for an album, but they were never released. They, uh, in those days, they they were released a couple of years ago. But no mercy. This idea of punk band actually could be anything. You know, it could be just a singer and a drummer. And yep. that was no mercy. There was actually a drummer guy named Zev. I don't know about you, you know him. He'd hang this metal shit and almost get killed by the stuff swinging around. <laughs> yeah, punk used to be like anything you could get on stage. And then it kind of changed. As, as the 80s came, it turned into fast guitar music. But it wasn't that in the 70s. In fact, the first gig, to, the first band to sell out the whiskey was the Screamers. They didn't even have a guitar. And the drummer man, Kevin, or, or KK, I'm sorry, he played along with the drum machine. Yeah. <laughs> that was so bizarre. But why not? You know, let the freak flag fly. 
Okay. Yeah, that was a, a lot of the stuff that when I was growing up that we were we really loved what the original LA punk scene was doing. Like, Do you know guys. about Nervous Gingers, remember? No, what about Nervous He's like Gingers? six or seven. He got deported. <laughs> He's a Swedish guy. <laughs> He's a boy. Wow, that's I mean, crazy. a young boy. <laughs> I thought Stephen McDonald was young when he started, but six no, or seven. No, but he was a like bass really man. Young. He was a bass man. Yeah, yeah, and I think I Mad uh, Society had a singer that was like 10 or 11 or something. Oh, but, wow. but the nervous gender drummer was like, yeah, six or seven or seven. And then he had a foreign national. He got deported. So, so I don't know the whole story about that. Edward's still around, you know. They're a yeah. beautiful band. Actually, some of those cats, like uh, Geraldo, he, East L.A., I think Robert was in the band for one gig or something from the stains. So uh, when did the book come out? Did it just come out? Uh, yeah, the book just actually came out officially this week. Okay, and how can people get it? Uh, it's called Forbidden Beat, Perspectives on Punk Drumming. And you can buy it anywhere you buy books. But if you want to go straight to the publisher, it's rarebirdlit.com. Or a great place to buy it that benefits indie bookstores is bookshop.org. And do you have your own website? Yes, I have S W Loudon L A U D E N. Well, S W L A U D E N. Yeah, that's dot right. Com. Yep. And from there is all good things, Steve. Right? Okay. And uh, are you still playing your drums? Yeah, I play in a power pop band in L A called the Brothers Steve. Okay. And probably yeah. a lot of cats named Steve in the band. I'm the only one, so they they won't call me Steve. They make me go by my last name. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. But you know what? You got to bring the band on and be on, guests on my show. Will you do that? Oh man, I, my, well, I would come back anytime. I'm, okay, I'm but come back with the band, Steve. Yeah, for sure. We would love to. <laughs> okay, or anything else you got, you're welcome anytime, brother Steve. Thank you so much, people. It's been the February 10th, 2022 edition of the Wap Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.